You ever had a time in your life, or maybe I should say it in the plural, times in your life when you were felt like you were at your wit's end? My mother used to use an expression, I want to find a, take a long walk on a short pier. I never quite figured out what she meant by that. I'm not sure I wanted to know what she meant by that, taking a long walk on a short pier, but I think she meant she was at her wit's end. If you look on the front of your bulletin, I've got a quote on there. It says, when we're at our wit's end for an answer, then the Holy Spirit can give us an answer. But how can he give us an answer when we are still well supplied with all sorts of answers of our own? How can he give us an answer when we are still well supplied with all sorts of answers of our own? Since the first of the year, I've been in a series of messages on the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to look in John's Gospel at how the Holy Spirit guides us so that when we are at our wit's end, how we get to the place of some answers. And part of the way we get to answers is we have to clear out all the answers that we have come up with and clear our minds and our hearts so that we can hear from God. So often we create so much static. Now I'm going to uh, date myself a little bit here. When I was growing up, they used to have transistor radios. Do any of y'all remember transistor radios? All right, a few of you. I hated transistor radios, and the reason I hated transistor radios is because there was so much static. You could hardly hear what was coming through because of all the static that was on there. And often we have trouble hearing from God because of so much static that's coming in. And so if we're going to get the answers that God has for us, the Spirit wants to communicate, we've got to clear the deck of all the static so that we can clearly hear from the Lord. And this is what he's going to talk about in John's Gospel, chapter 16. And today we're going to look at John's Gospel, chapter 16. And then next week I'm going to start a series of messages on the fruits of the Holy Spirit from the book of Galatians. Not the gifts of the Spirit, but rather the fruits of the Spirit, because I believe the fruits of the Spirit are actually more important in our lives than the gifts of the Spirit. But today we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit guides us to get these answers. John's Gospel, chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. Jesus here is teaching about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit with the disciples and listen to his words. And what he's doing here is he's giving us some really critical insight as to how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work together to work in our lives. So often we tend to see the members of what we call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit as separated from each other. And we see Jesus saving us. Of course, he does that. We see the Father creating us. He has done that. And we see the, and understand the Spirit filling us. But how do the three come together to work in our lives? Well, this is what he's going to talk about beginning with verse 13. When the Spirit of truth... Now, notice how he identifies him here. The Spirit of truth... When the Spirit of truth comes, what's He going to do? He will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into, notice the use there, all the truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He, speaking again of the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. 
For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now my sermon outline is contained on the back of your bulletin. I invite you, if you would, to follow along with me. It says here that the Spirit of God, verse 13, will guide you into all truth. The idea there is like a guide that guides you on a tour that you were taking. Back in the fall, we took our teenagers one Saturday to Dixie Caverns. And when we got to the entrance of Dixie Caverns and got ready to go in, they assigned a tour guide to us. Now, the tour guide had several important uh, jobs that they were to carry out. First of all was to make sure we didn't get lost in Dixie Caverns. The second job that they had was to explain to us what we were seeing, the significance of what we were seeing, because we were going to miss all kinds of things in there if they didn't explain the rock formations to us, etc. So they guided us through there. They explained to us what we were seeing. And then towards the end of the tour, they turned out all the lights. And we stood there in total darkness. And their job at that point was to calm us down. When you're in a cave and you're not sure where you are and all the lights go out, it causes your blood pressure to go up. And their job there was to calm us down and say, hey, you don't know where you are, but I know where we are. And the lights may be out and you can't see your hand in front of your face, but don't worry, I'll get you to where you need to go. Just, you know, hang tight. And the Holy Spirit of God is our guide does that. The Spirit of God lets us know, hey, I am here in your life right now. Even though you don't know how to take another step, even though you feel like you're in complete and total darkness right now, I know where you are and I can get you to the right place. Just listen to me. And sometimes God tells us, don't go anywhere right now. Just stand still, but know that you're not standing still alone. That's the deal. Folks, it's not how dark it may seem around us. It's the presence of God with us in the midst of the darkness that makes all the difference. We didn't freak out that day because we knew that God was with us in the darkness. And he's saying to us here, I'm going to guide you because I'm with you in the darkness. Second, I'm going to show you what you're around, what's around you. I'm going to teach you if you'll just listen to me. You see, if we don't listen to him, we miss what God is doing all around us. And he says he's going to guide us by teaching us about everything that is around us. But if we don't listen, we're going to miss it. And then he's going to get us through the cavern, so to speak. Now, he says he's going to guide you. Remember, he's speaking to the disciples. It's a guarantee of the inspiration of Scripture. And some of these disciples would write the Word of God. He says, I'm going to guide you into all truth. Now, a lot of times in living for Jesus, we get started right. And, man, we celebrate that. We have, you know, we're baptized, and everybody comes up and shakes our hand, pats us on the back, gives us a hug. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the church. We're so glad to have you. And we get started right. And then we get turned around, and we get lost somewhere down the road. We lived in Hampton Roads before we came here, and in Hampton Roads, there are just tons of subdivisions. I mean, big subdivisions with hundreds and sometimes thousands of homes. Now, one of the things that I discovered about the subdivisions in Hampton Roads is that whoever the designers and the architects were of some of those subdivisions were not terribly created people. Because they take about four 
designs of houses and they just repeat them over and over and over again. So every, you, just, you just see the same design of house, at least on the outside, repeated over and over and over again. Now the problem with that is every block looks the same after a while. You'll go down one block and you'll turn, you'll go down another block, another block, and you just keep the same, same design of house over and over again. And what that creates is it's very easy to get lost in those subdivisions because there's nothing really that, that makes them stand out. When they build a subdivision, generally speaking, what they do is they roll in with bulldozers and they knock down every tree, every natural thing that you would see that would make something unique. They knock it all down. So it's just plain. <clears throat> and they go in and repeat the same housing format over and over and over again. So you get back in there and it's easy to get lost. Now many of you are saying, well Bozo, why don't you use a GPS? First of all, if you watch me use a GPS and lose so much religion over it, you would understand why I don't always use a GPS. <laughs> Going down the road with that thing. We, we had a GPS built into our new car that we got several years ago, Rio, uh, Kia Rio. And we were so excited, first car we ever had with a GPS. And so help me, we turned that thing on to try to find a restaurant in Norfolk, and all it did was lead us in circles around our neighborhood. We just, just went back and forth around our neighborhood, and then we tried, my son tried to syncopate it with, and get it in line with his iPhone, and he would not get in line with his iPhone. And by the time we got out of our subdivision on the road, uh, you would have known I was a minister. Uh, you wouldn't probably know my wife was the wife of a pastor with our attitudes towards it. Uh, my son did keep his sanctification, but he was about the only one that did as we were trying to get through there. But oftentimes GPSs don't help you out. And that's what happens to us in the Christian life so often. We get started with walking with the Lord and things are going great and then something happens, then something else happens, then something else happens. And the next thing you know, we are all twisted and turned. And the, the answer to that, he says, is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit placed inside of us will guide us. He guides us gradually. And notice verse 13. He says he's guiding us into what? All truth. Now, folks, please hear me on this. There is a difference between truth and information. There is a difference between truth and information. A lot of times we get a lot of information and we stay in bondage and we stay lost. Truth sets you free, Jesus said. Information just fills up space between our two ears. And one of the things that we have to be careful about is that we don't settle for information about God instead of the truth that Jesus has for us. You see, there are a lot of folks wandering around church who've got lots of information. In fact, we add to the information every time we come to church. We sit through lessons, we sit through sermons, and we add to the information. And we don't have any problem with information. In fact, sometimes we even get on information overload. Or we can be proud of all the information that we've got. But information will just leave you sitting there like you got a lump of clay in your lap. It may look nice, and it may have all kinds of potential, but it just sits there. But it doesn't say he's going to guide us into information. He says, I'm going to guide you into truth. What is this truth he's talking about? It is his truth, and it's so much more than information. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What the Spirit of God teaches us is not just information about God. It is truth that transforms 
transforms us. It is truth that shapes us and molds us to become like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to strive after the Lord Jesus Christ, to have attitudes like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus. That is what truth does to us. Truth is empowering. It empowers us to love Jesus and walk with Jesus and serve Jesus. And let me tell you the difference. If all I'm doing is getting information that I'm not changing, I'm not becoming a different person, but if I am getting truth, I am becoming more like Jesus. And folks, the way we know whether we're just getting information or getting truth is try to do this about every six months. Sit down with your life, and we've got to ask ourselves this question, am I more like Jesus than I was six months ago? Am I more like Jesus than I was a year ago? Am I living more free than I was three months ago? Because if the answers are consistently no, then all I'm doing is picking up information. I'm not picking up truth. But if I can honestly say I'm more like Jesus than I was six months ago, and I think I've got down the path a little bit more to being like Him than I was a year ago, and I'm living more free today to serve Him and know Him, then I know I'm getting truth in my life, not just information. Verse 13, notice what it says about the Spirit. It says He's going to do it in the authority of God. It's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit working together. Notice what He says there again in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He's going to guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority. It's the authority of the Father God. But whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare it to you, the things that are to come. Now, Forgive me for this illustration, but hopefully it'll bear out. Those of you that are parents, I don't know if you have... Some of you are at this place in parenting right now. And if you're expecting parents, let me warn you, okay? There will be a time in your parenting when your child is about two to three years of age when they are going to repeat at terribly inconvenient times in public... (laughs) what they have heard in the privacy of your home. And when those times come, prepare yourself to turn every color of the rainbow with your face. And you will just want to tell them to shut up. Now, let me share something with you. When our son was about in those early preschool years and went through that stage of life, I was the pastor at First Baptist Church Galax. And my wife and I began a ritual. It wasn't a spiritual ritual at all, but it was a ritual. And that is that both of us listened closely to what our son said, and we developed the art of ushering. Let me share with you how the art of ushering works. You're engaged in a conversation, and your beautiful little cute child shows up, and your child begins to say stuff that he's not supposed to be saying. And so you grab your child, and you smile, and you usher them away from the people that are being talking. And so we used to usher Jonathan away, et cetera, et cetera. What are they doing? They are repeating what they're hearing in the house. What he's saying here about the Holy Spirit is that everything the Spirit of God hears in the presence of God the Father, he shares it with us. Now you think about that. We say, I don't know how I can connect with God. I don't understand God. He's given us the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit 
hears in the presence of God what God is saying, what God is thinking as the Father and the Son interrelate to each other, then He takes that and He brings it to us. Do you see what Jesus is teaching? You and I have literally an ear into the throne room of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't even have to wonder and question what's going on in the presence of God because the Spirit of God will declare it to us. He will teach us if we will just listen. It says, verse 13, that He will teach us the things that are to come. Let me suggest, if you haven't done this study called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, talks about how to experience God and know the will of God. And the crux of that study is this. Find out what God is doing and join Him. Find out what God is doing and join Him. You see, the Spirit of God, if we will listen, says to us, this is what I'm doing and this is how you can join me. The Spirit of God will say to us, this is where I'm headed. This are my plans. This is where I'm going, if you will just join me. Now that's entirely different than, Lord, I came up with this idea. And it's a good idea. And God, if you'll just bless my idea, if you'll just bless what I've come up with, if you'll just join me, God, in what I'm doing, and God said, no, nah, it don't work that way. you got to join me in what I am doing. And you see, if we join God in what He's doing, we don't have to ask for the blessing of God because the blessing of God automatically comes with the work of God. He goes on from there. He says, find out what God's doing, verse 13, verse 14. He will guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. He will declare it to you, the things that are to come. Let me illustrate what he's saying here to us. He's saying, don't just drive by the house. Come on in the door. Come on in and look around. The Spirit of God is going to invite you to come on into the presence of God and look around and listen to what God's doing. Now notice where he goes with this next. Verse 14, it says, He will glorify me. That is, the Spirit of God is going to glorify the Lord Jesus. For he's going to take what's mine and declare it to you. Now this next verse blows my mind. All that the Father God has is mine. Therefore I said that He's going to take what's mine and declare it to you. Jesus says everything that God the Father has belongs to me. And the Spirit of God is going to take that and teach it to you. Declare it to you. Share it with you. Can can you imagine that? All that God has, all of His power, all of His glory, all of His truth, all of His wisdom, all of His ability, all of that, Jesus says, belongs to me. I share and have everything that the Father God has, and the Spirit of God is going to take that, all of that, He's going to share it with you. Now, He doesn't do it all at one time. I mean, it would just totally blow us away and we couldn't absorb it. So what's He going to do? He's going to give it to us in small amounts every day. 
situation by situation, day by day, hour by hour. So when you and I get up tomorrow morning, he's got some truth for us. He's got something new he wants to teach us and show us from the Father. The day after that, he's got something else for you. The day after that, he's got something else for us. And it just goes on day after day. That means that I never get to a place that I say I have arrived and I know it all, and man, i got a handle on this, because every time I think i got a handle on this, I discover how much I do not have a handle on. When we were living in Galax, there was a place up in the uh, Blue Ridge Parkway that we would go several times a year. And you'd go up there on the side of the Blue Ridge Parkway, and, and you saw the, the mountains around you, and it was beautiful, but there was a certain place that you'd go back into on this trail. And when you turn the corner you would look and there was this vista of mountain after mountain after mountain as far as you could see. And I used to love to stand there on a clear day and look at all those mountains out in the distance because what I realized was that when I thought I saw the mountains, I wasn't even really beginning to see the mountains. Now the next thing is that they had this trail that went down the side of the mountain that you were on, and then went back up the side of it. And I remember the first time our family went down the side of the mountain. I really remember when we went up the side of the mountain. I didn't realize how far we had gone down, and I didn't realize how far we had to go up. And by the time we got halfway up the other side, we were all huffing and puffing, etc. Now, follow me on this. What I discovered was it was one thing to look at the mountain. It was something else to climb it. Because when I climbed it, I really got a feel for the height of it, the strength of it, the majesty of it, the power of it. In the process of climbing it, you had to go across this mountain stream. In the process of climbing it, you looked and smelled the mountain laurel and all the things that were out there, and you really begin to experience the mountain. And what Jesus is saying here is he's going to take the mountain of God and make it available for us to experience that every time we think we've seen all there is to see of God, he's going to turn a corner and say, man, there are vistas out there that you haven't seen or experienced yet. But don't be satisfied to look at God from a distance. I want you to get down and I want you to smell the presence of God. I want you to walk in and up the presence of God. I want you to get exhausted and worn out because you're being so overwhelmed by the power of God and the holiness of God. You see, the problem, the reason God seems so boring to us sometimes is not that God is boring. It is because we haven't gotten used to looking at enough of His mountains. If I go out here and I look at the same mountain every day and only look at one mountain, after a while I'm going to get used to it. But if I see mountain after mountain and I start walking these different mountains and experiencing them and exploring them, then I'm going to get a feel for what I'm really looking at. And the problem with too many of us is we're still looking at the same experiences with God we had 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and we think there is, that's all there is to have of God. And Jesus is saying here, I got something else. I got so much more of God for you to experience. Now let me give you an example of how we experience it. Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. They're dedicating the temple with Solomon. And as they're dedicating the temple, God has a word for His people to experience Him. This is one of these mountains. To climb, to walk, to experience. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and verse 14. God said, this is you want to experience me, this is how you're going to experience me. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And it's up on the screen. Whoops. 
flood yet. Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And the word humble there in the Hebrew language means to bend the knee. If they will bend their knees, get down on their knees before me. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. Now the reference there that says seek my face means to strive after something, to put energy, time, focus, striving after Him. It also carries the idea of I have a group of things and I seek out something individual. In other words, I identify something in that group and I go after it. Something in the group and I go after it. What is he saying? He's saying with all the stuff that's in our lives, I identify Jesus, I identify the Lord, and I go after Him. He takes top priority. Humble yourselves, seek my face. Turn from our wicked ways. That's basically our selfishness, which can even be doing the right thing with the wrong attitude. And then notice the promise. Three aspects to the promise. Number one, I'm going to hear from heaven. I'm going to hear you. You're guaranteed that I'm going to hear you. Number two, I'm going to forgive your sin. I'm going to release you from your sin. Both in terms of needing to be released from the mess you've made, and also I'm going to release you in the sense of the guilt, the shame, the burden of it, and I'm going to release you from the bondage of it. And then notice the third, I'm going to heal your land. I will heal you. I, he says, will heal you. Let's pray. I want to invite you right now for you and I to just go into the presence of God and say, Lord, I want to humble myself before you. I want to bend my knee, Lord, before you. I want to seek your face, run after you. I want to turn from my selfishness. Jesus, hear me. Lord God, would you forgive me? Lord, would you heal me? I 
And God always works and acts in a corporate sense also. Lord, would you heal us as your people? And Lord, I accept your guidance. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and desire and need to give your life to Jesus, I invite you to come and make that decision. If you desire and need to come and just kneel around the front, we like to think of this platform becoming an altar and just coming and talking with the Lord, I invite you to come. God's been impressing upon you to become part of this church family, then we invite you to come. Any other decision that you need to make publicly or need to have prayer about, please feel free to come. We love to pray with you. And while we sing, let me encourage you to continue just to dialogue with the Lord and say, God, Give me your guidance. Spirit of God, direct me. Lord, we look to you as our God. In Jesus' name, amen.